Just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean I can't complain about other stuff, you know? Ray Ray is fundamental, number one podcast from the get-go. And since you're listening, you got good sense, so let me break it down on this instrumental. It's basketball and all its essences. It's full of pop culture references. Okay. Point guards to stretch fours and fives. The last Buffy episode, despite survival. Uh, yeah. Never mind, let me get on track. Houston had a good run and a team was stacked. We had plans for the team, wolves, y'all remember? Yeah. Quick question in sync, who's your favorite remember? Oops, uh, I did it again. Hold up, wait. Best team on the court, probably Golden State. Yeah. Curry and them, yeah, they out this world. But that's Gray's top five. He's saying the Spice Girls. <laughs> How are you guys doing? You are listening to the Ray Ray's Fundamental Podcast. I am recording in the very early morning of April 15th, 2020, although the main interview was done on April 14th, 2020. This is episode 112, where the players dwell. My name is Ray Ray. That may or may not be my government name. So we're still here. We're still in quarantine, which, by the way, I saw a tweet from the great Kim Adams who covers college basketball for Fox and WNBA for ESPN that someone spelled it quarantine. Like, you know, corn on the cob. You guys gotta learn how to spell, man. <laughs> anyway, I went out of the house for the first time in three weeks. I wasn't going stir crazy per se, but I was very disappointed about something which led me to going out of the house. So, April 10th was the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake. We know Final Fantasy VII as the game that made turn-based role-playing games mainstream in the Western Hemisphere. The pandemic happened, and my hookup for my hookup for a physical copy kind of went down the drain. So, this is very important. I like getting physical copies of video games. I am old. <laughs> Otherwise, this would not be a problem because obviously you could buy and download a digital copy whenever, right? But I like seeing a physical game in front of me with my own eyes. So leave me alone. I ordered the the game, the physical game, on Amazon April 9th, which is the day before the world premiere of the game. Because of the pandemic, there were expected delays, so instead of getting it in two days, I was getting it in five, which is April 14, which was yesterday, actually. Let's fast forward to April 14, and I was very excited I was getting the game, and I'll have a stupid video game to work on for the next few weeks because, you know, we're still twiddling our thumbs at home. But what did I receive? An empty envelope. I could tell it was empty the minute I saw it, but I just to, but I just had to make sure. So I opened it, and it was just air. <laughs> Maybe it was the air that Zoe de Chanel breathed in, but whatever. It was at the bottom line that I didn't get it. So I used this excuse to get out of the house, and I was looking at all the options to get the physical copy. And a very prominent video game store close to me was the best option for me. By the way, that is not an essential business. Anyway, so I went out and got it. And while I was out there, I got extra groceries, so our household could last a few more weeks. And other than getting the game, I think I really needed to get out of the house. That felt really good. So, yeah. But if you're wondering, no, there was no toilet paper at the store that I went to. And I get it. Toilet paper is gold these days, right? Like, it's probably worth more than the almighty dollar at this point. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, that's my story. And that's for this show. <laughs>
Wow, that was way off. As for the show, I talked to my old friend Serena Winters, who is now the sideline reporter for the Philadelphia 76ers. This is actually my second interview with Serena, so if you want to look for the first time I talked to her, I believe it's episode 53, look through the archives at rary.net slash fun. We talk about her new life in Philly, her whirlwind 2018 where she moved from LA to Portland to Philly, all in a matter of about 9 to 10 months, and we talk about how she's doing the quarantine, and other profound stuff. You don't want to miss it. Before we go to Serena... Just remember that you can find a podcast where podcasts can be found, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, whatever. Follow me on Twitter at the Nolok Pass, and that is it. Here's a promo. Then I'm going to complain to my guests right after. Yeah, that's what happened. Hey, it's Jess Kleinschmidt, and you're listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. You got an empty Amazon package? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I ordered a video game uh, five days ago, whatever. And then I was excited to go get it. And then when I looked at the envelope, it, it looked really empty. I'm like, this is not good. So I opened it to make sure, and it sure it was. It was empty. Did someone, like, steal the contents of it, or did they ship it without it in there? Without it in it, I guess. It was closed. There was nothing in it. What? <laughs> Just air. That's awful. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. The isolation series continues, and this time... I go one-on-one with my guest here after a stint as the lead reporter for Lakers Nation and being part of Spectrum Sportsnet and NBC Sports Northwest. She is now part of NBC Sports Philadelphia as a silent reporter for the Philadelphia 76ers, my good old friend, Serena Winters. What is up? Ray, Ray, long time, no chat. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Just uh, like you said, isolation like everybody else and, and trying to deal with this day by day. Yeah. First of all, how are you doing? This is a tough time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really am somebody who tries to, to look at the positive side of things and be happy that, you know, I'm healthy and my family's healthy. But, you know, like everybody else, I think um, a couple things. One, I'm so connected to, to my work and it's so much a part of, of who I am and what I love to do that not being able to do that definitely takes, you know, a piece of you away. And then two, you know, I, I live on the East Coast, but my mom and my grandma, they're out on the West Coast, so obviously it's it's not advised to be traveling right now, so it's definitely hard to be away from them. But other than that, I'm keeping busy, I'm doing a lot of things, at home, of course, yeah. but it's tough like everybody, everybody else. So are you giving this some sort of timeline, or are you on the mindset of let's just see how it is one day at a time? Because I know it's so easy to fall into the thinking of like, hey, we'll be okay by like whatever month it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm not thinking that way at all. I'm yeah. definitely thinking one day at a time. Um, I've, I've not gotten myself in the trap of like, oh, by June or by July. And you know what's funny, Ray, is I've got a, a wedding is supposed to be in July, so I'm trying to not think about that either because lots of questions, you know, from people asking, is the wedding still on this, that, or the other? And, you know, I just, I'm just taking it day by day like everybody else. Yeah, like all the events, like whether it's a concert that you want to go to or like you mentioned, a wedding, they're, they're just off the table now. And the Olympics are postponed till next year. Who even knows, right? Like we don't know what's going to go on. We have absolutely no idea. We are all at the mercy of something bigger right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's just let's just have a chat. Uh, let's just, you know, distract ourselves from whatever's going on right now. Um, remember the last time we had an extended conversation? was 2016 <laughs> four years ago 
Four years ago, wow. Yeah, and since then, a lot has happened to you. So, take us back to the day you moved to Portland and then Philly. Yeah, so that was, I think, January of 2018. Um, I took a job with NBC, a regional network, NBC Sports Northwest. I packed up my bags and moved to Portland, Oregon. And I hosted a one-hour primetime sports TV show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. every night out in the Pacific Northwest. It was awesome. I loved living in Portland. Great town. Nothing but love. Nothing but love for Portland. Um, but, you know, I definitely missed being in an NBA arena for, you know, my work every day versus being in a studio. And I got a call um, from NBC Sports Philadelphia, and they were looking for a sideline reporter for the Sixers. And so I flew out to Philly a couple times, interviewed, and by September of that same year, so you know, less than nine months later, packed up my bags again, <laughs> hopped on another plane, and moved cross-country to Philadelphia. And so this is now where I've been since September of 2018 as the sideline reporter for the Sixers, and I also still write for the website, do some pregame and postgame stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm out here in Philly now and, and loving being around the NBA all the time, at least pre-coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Portland, lovely town because I lived there for a year. I think you, you remember that, but I lived there from 2014 to 2015, so I, I really miss it there too. And just having that turnaround to Philadelphia after a few months, like that's got to be like, it's got to be, you know, ridiculous for you to move from one town to another in less than a year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when I think about it. I lived in three different states in less in less than a year's time, right? Yeah. California, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. But I also thought to myself, like, there's no other time to just do that and live life and see where it takes you. So, yes, is it stressful? Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. And I loved my time in Portland, and I definitely miss the Pacific Northwest. It is so beautiful there, Ray, as it you know. Is. So, so, so beautiful. It really gave me a greater appreciation just kind of for life and, and nature and mm -hmm. for the people there are just so comfortable with being who they are, whatever whatever that is. And I, I loved that about the culture there. And now being and living in Philadelphia, growing up on obviously being wanting to be in sports and playing sports, it's such an incredible sports town. It, you know what's cool, Ray, is, is you go to breakfast and you can overhear people's conversations and they're either talking about the Sixers, the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers. You know, mm -hmm. it's so much ingrained in the culture in Philly that it's just a, a, it's such a great, great place to work in sports. Yeah, they're definitely very passionate about their sports. It's like, remember, they booed Santa Claus at one time, too. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, very passionate about sports in Philadelphia. Um, let's talk about the Sixers uh, really quick. Um, so... Sixers were 39 and 26 when the season was suspended. Uh, what was the most surprising thing that you found out about the team throughout that season? Most surprising thing. Well, the road record, the actual road record is escaping me at the moment. I'm sure I can look it up real quick, but it was, I don't know how to describe it except atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've lost, they lost oh. once at home. That, and I think that right. is at the road, yeah. Exactly. Versus the home record, which is just incredible. Yeah. So I think that um, the 
the what seemed like two different teams, the, the team at home and the team on the road, mm-hmm. I would say was probably the most surprising to me just because, you know, such such a talented group of players, it was just crazy, the discrepancies. And, you know, we would, in our pre-production meetings, um, go through graphics and ideas. And when we were on the road, you know, the same one kept coming up, which is looking at the numbers at home and the numbers on the road and how big the discrepancy was. And that was pretty eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid was so dominant uh, in 2018-19. Um, this year he's tailed off a little bit, but he's still really, really good, obviously. Uh, do you see any much difference between in, in his personality between this season and last season? You know, what was interesting this season is because I find that Joel plays at his best when he is also putting on a show. Yeah. Um, and letting it... He kind of, Reminds me of Shaq in that way, right? Out there, having fun, trash-talking with guys, getting the crowd riled up. And look, not everybody is going to love that. But that doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if that is who you are, and that's, you know, your fans are always going to be behind you, your teammates are always going to be behind you, of course opposing players aren't going to love that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he always played at his best when he was that guy. And I think that, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but in the beginning of the year, um, and this is actually hard for me to say right now just because we just heard about the passing of Carl Anthony Towns' mom, Jacqueline. Um, Rest in peace to her. But I remember that at the beginning of the year, there was a Sixers-Wolves game, and Joel and Carly Anthony Towns, um, I know Ben Simmons got involved a little bit. Do you remember the scuffle at all? That, yes, that, I do. I do, yes. So, so that had happened at Wells Fargo Center, and I remember Joel, as he uh, was walking off the court, had his hands up, was getting the crowd, you know, going crazy, and I looked at that, and I got to admit, like, I loved it. Like, yeah. to me, it was just, I loved it. Um, but... At the end of the day, that came with a price, right? That came with um, suspensions. Yeah. And so I'm sure that was something that was if talked about, whether that was internal, whether that was with, you know, management. Um, but in order, you know, when you think about, like, okay, come playoff time, you have to know what consequences can be of your actions, right? And so um, I think that after that happened – we saw a little bit of a different side of Joel in terms of him being just much more serious. Um, and that personality trait, you know, it's that was what we saw a little bit more of this year. Mm-hmm. But then towards the end of, you know, towards the end of the regular season, or at least the end of, the, I don't know how to even say that, towards the end before the suspension, yeah. he's kind of getting back in that mode again. Mm-hmm. The Just the playing off the crowd and and so we saw that kind of go back and forth several times this year in terms of his personality on the court and so that's what i would say is kind of the biggest difference is we saw it just kind of go go up and down Mm -hmm. i think ben simmons is an incredible basketball player which he doesn't seem to get credit off of nba twitter (laughs) but you can't not hear all the whispers about him not shooting threes and i'm sure he hears it too so does it seem to bother him at all Well, I mean, I'm not Ben Simmons, so I don't want to speak for him in terms of if the talk gets to him or not. I I can only say that it's impossible not to hear it, right? People will 
people or players will say things like, oh, you know, I don't I don't pay any attention to it, or I don't read anything, or I don't see anything. But look, the, the fact of the matter is, is these guys are, most of these guys are on social media all the time. And also, when you're in the arena, um, you can hear the fans. And it's interesting, um, there's been times where the fans will kind of just, you know, yell out from the crowd for Ben to shoot it. Um, so that that's stuff that I'm sure is impossible not to hear. I don't, I don't know... You know, if I was him, I mean, I would be affected by that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look like it affects him. Because I think that if it did, um, I mean, don't you think he'd be trying to chuck him up or whatever? You know? <laughs> yeah. So all I can say is it, it did, hasn't affected his play. If it does affect him at all internally, he hasn't let that show it when he's out there on the court. If anything, he's only been more aggressive defensively, at least to kind of counteract that, you know, and play off of what his strengths are. I feel he's so underrated too, because he does everything so well. And, you know, to use a football term, he's probably the best defensive back in basketball, right? The way he just steals the ball and everything. So, sure. yeah. So, do you feel like he's probably one of the most underrated players in the game right now? Um, I don't know if I'd go most underrated players in the game just because I'm around the team so much and we talk so much about how phenomenal he is defensively um, that it would be hard for me. Like if I was, for example, in L.A. or at any other team looking in, I yeah. might be able to answer that question better. But because mm-hmm. I'm so... I'm so ingrained in, in Sixers basketball now. To me, we talk about, for example, his defense all the time. Maybe the national media um, doesn't. But I would say, like for example, I think that he should have been a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Sure. This year. Um, and in re-watching some of the games this season to, to see what he's able to do defensively in crunch time and come up with some of these big, big, big-time plays, absolutely. Um at the same time, you know, would you love to see a jumper develop? Of course, because that would only open up the game for him. Um, so uh, that's kind of how I'd have to answer that. This is Shay, Shay Serrano, and you are listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. I think Ray Ray should change the name of the podcast, but he likes it, so that's what you're listening to. How, how did you like their chances before the season got suspended? Like I said, 39 and 26. Six in the East, but most people said they're probably the most talented team in the East. And that's, you know, even going to the beginning of the season before they played a, a regular season game, there were a lot of people saying that the Sixers team had the most talent in the East. And what we saw throughout the regular season is that they needed to find ways to better be able to mesh those skill sets together. Mm-hmm. And I think the big disappointment at least right now, is not seeing what this team could look like come playoff time. Because just as we've saw this team be different at home and be different on the road, this could be a different team from the regular season to the postseason. Because, again, I was watching some readers from last year's playoff series Mm -hmm. and seeing the level at which Ben and Joel, for example, and Tobias, seeing them take their games to another level come playoff time, not getting to see that and knowing whether or not this group of guys um, was going to mesh come playoff time, especially, you know, in terms of the chances, too, with this year, right, with all the injuries and Golden State not being what Golden State is, right? Um, Yeah. So it's – and obviously – being in the East, Toronto, not having Kawhi, although I'd also argue that Toronto was one of the biggest surprises of this entire season. I yeah. Think the first, 
but I would have never anticipated Toronto to be doing as well as they have, not just without Kawhi, but with all the injuries that they have had this season. Right. So, I mean, it's definitely just a, it's a, it's, you feel like you're left with a hole as if, whether you're covering the Sixers or a Sixers fan, not knowing what this team could look like in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's really too bad because, like, who knows how things would have been if Kawhi Leonard's shot bounced another way last year, right? I mean, he just came up to that shot. I know, I know. I was, I had a very good view of that shot. I'll never forget it. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you did color commentary this season. How did you feel when you were told you were going to do it? Oh, my goodness. I loved it. Had the time of my life. Uh, when they asked me to, to do it, the, the easy answer for me was yes, and then it was a cram session, you know, for for five days or how. They didn't give me much time to think about it. It was somewhere around five days, um, maybe a week, but it was, it was incredible, and it's actually my love for broadcasting began when I was doing play-by-play and color commentary in college, so for me to get back to my roots, it was so much fun, and I was just so thankful that I have... I really do I work with some of the best people in the business, Ray, and, and to have Mark as Mark Zumoff as our play-by-play guy, who's incredible, and then I get to work alongside him, just like a dream come true. What did you learn from the legendary Mark Zumoff? The way that he's able to prop somebody up to make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. um, is is huge with what we do with our jobs. For example, when I got to do the color commentary alongside him, it was so easy because we have such a great relationship and friendship. I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, Mark Zumoff and his wife are people that took me in right when I came to Philly, and I would go over, and they would cook me dinner, and I mean, I, I talked with Mark today for probably 20 minutes earlier this morning. Um, we hang out outside of work, so having that connection and relationship with people that you work with outside of work when you work together so close makes it so much easier when you broadcast with them, right? And so Mark knows me and I know him and he was able to just kind of tee me up and make me feel comfortable in certain areas. But also his vocabulary and how he comes up with things is is incredible because, you know, when I was practicing or when I've done, because I did a play-by-play game this year too, but that was just in the preseason. Right. And listening to him and, you know, when I'm watching a game, the things that are able to just roll off his tongue that is just, it's just a beauty of the American language that he can, that he creates is, is pretty incredible. And he's just a, he's an incredible, incredible person. Mm-hmm. Such a legend too in Philadelphia sports. Like he's been, yeah, yeah. yeah he's been he's been play for Philadelphia for like what now twenty something years now. Like he's oh, been there yeah. for a long At time. I want to say, yeah. say it's going on like twenty six or twenty eight years. Wow. Something like, yeah, yeah. Um, as we all know, an LA icon originally from Philadelphia passed three months ago, which seems forever ago, really. Jeez. Um, I know Kobe Bryant was a huge influence to you, so. Was there anything that he said to you that you will take away from him? I don't know that it's one thing that he said. I think it was how he carried himself and the type of person that he was the years that I've known him um, and had the pleasure of getting to cover him. Um, Just honestly, Reg, seeing, seeing how hard he worked and then watching how you gain respect 
and then how that all comes together, it's hard for me to put into words just Mm -hmm. because there's not, there's not one specific thing that, that Kobe did that, or said that had, you know, the biggest influence on my life. It was more of just the years of being around him and watching him and in, in essence also learning from him um, that impacted me the most. And so, I mean, yesterday was kind of a crazy day. Yesterday was April uh, the 13th, mm-hmm. which was his final game. Um, so that that was definitely tough. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that game too last time you were on this podcast four years ago when he scored 60 points on his final game. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Still to me the most incredible sports experience I've been a part of. And I was there for, you know, championship game seven 2010 against yeah. Boston as well. But still for me, just in terms of like a sports experience and what that meant of 20 years of him putting in that time, um, it was just it was just such a neat neat experience. Yeah. Uh, finally, last question. You're honestly one of the trailblazers in sports right now because you're, you're you're doing color commentary. As a woman, that's really rare for right now. I don't know why, but it's it's not very common right now. And you're gonna do a lot more in your career. So, anything you want to say to young women who want to be in sports? Say to young women who want to be in sports. Mm-hmm. Don't let people that don't necessarily support you influence what your passion is. I was very lucky in the respect that I had a, and still have, a great support system of family and friends who believed in and understood my passion even when I wasn't making any money and were always there to support me and pick me up. Um, And there are also people around um, that didn't understand, that never understood because they didn't have that same passion for something. Mm -hmm. And I've come to realize, um, and and since cutting, you know, those types of, you don't want those people around you. You you want people that are going to support you because you're going to need that coming throughout. And you're also going to need some thick skin. Especially as a woman in this industry, if you're asking me specifically about females, is that you you do need thick skin because there's a lot of navigating um, in your path, and everybody's path is different. You know, my path isn't going to be like anybody. The beauty and the curse of, of this industry is that it's not like you go to school for X amount of, of years and take these courses and you're a sports broadcaster, right? That's yeah. not how it works. Everybody's path is different. Mm-hmm. With this being a male-dominated industry especially, um, that is something that you do need to have. That doesn't mean that you need to take everything as a female, but it, you do you do need to have thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I will... I will leave it at that. And confidence is everything in terms of your presentation on camera. And in order to be confident, I find you have to be as prepared as you can be. Mm-hmm. So I love to over-prepare 
so that when I'm on air, even if I'm only using 10% of my preparation, um, I feel confident in what I'm saying because I know I put the work in. And that goes for a man or for a woman um, who's coming up in this industry is, is I think that is very important. And believe me, I have heard over over prepare many, many times from people around this industry. Uh, go ahead and uh, plug your plug your work, uh, plug your website, whatever you need to plug, social media, whatever else. Oh well, I mean, if people want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at Serena Winters, and we're on Instagram at Serena underscore Winters. Uh, we also have a podcast. If any Sixers fans are listening, called Sixers Talk on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, and our website is NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com where we do all Philly sports stuff, Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, you name it. But I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners right, are probably going to be L.A. people. <laughs> well, well, they know you, so I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll listen to you anyway. So. You know, that's great, too. So if any, any Lakers fans from back in the day who remember... <laughs> Who remember me and followed along during my journey in LA? Thank you guys so much for your support because I don't I know that I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't have all of their support along the way. Honestly, so thank y'all for listening. Serena, that was a very profound conversation. Thank you so much for your time, and you'll always be my favorite point guard. <laughs> oh, thanks, Ray Ray. All right, thanks, thanks so much. I'm still mad about my Amazon <laughs> package I never got, never got here. Okay. It's a very, it's a very first world problem. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but yeah. Hashtag blame Ray Ray.